Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Lots to get to this evening. We'll get to the latest on the coronavirus. We'll get to the latest on an old washed-up congressman, liberal Democrat from California, threatening Don Trump Jr. We'll get to Dylan Byers, NBC senior media reporter. Love how they have media reporters. Guy used to be a hack for Politico and then worked his way to NBC. Attacking Fox News and talk radio, I'm sure he means, he means me and others. Uh, for uh, politicizing the coronavirus. I mean, the pot calling the kettle black. Are you kidding? But before we get to all this, let's talk more thoughtfully about these efforts by Bernie Sanders and the Democrats to double the size of the federal government, to triple the size of the federal bureaucracy. Let's get into this. You know, in 2015, I wrote a book called Plunder and Deceit. And the book was really for younger people and their parents. Younger people and their parents. There was a quote I started off in the book by British philosopher and statesman Sir Francis Bacon. Almost half a millennia ago. He said, Children sweeten labors, but they make misfortunes more bitter. They increase the cares of life, but they mitigate the rem- remembrance of death. And so I asked this question at the beginning of the book. This is totally relevant to what's going on today. Can we simultaneously love our children? but betray their generation and generations yet born. And I'm saying that if you embrace Marxism, Sanders, this radical Democrat agenda, can you simultaneously love your children, but betray their generation and generations yet born? And I'm asking you Sanders supporters out there, whether you're young or whether you're a parent, Among the least acknowledged facts of American modernity is the extent to which parents, acting in their familiar capacity naturally and tenaciously, guard their young children from threat and peril, to the point of risking their own physical and economic security in extreme cases. However, as part of the political and governing community, that is the ruling generation, many of these same parents, wittingly and unwittingly, join with other parents in tolerating, if not enthusiastically championing, 
disadvantageous and even grievous public policies that jeopardize not only their children's future, but the welfare of successive generations. There are accepted norms of behavior, a moral order, born of experience and knowledge, instinct and faith, teaching and reason, and love and passion, that provide definition for and boundaries between right and wrong, good and evil, and fairness and injustice, applicable to families and societies alike. So a harmony of virtuous interests informed by tried and true traditions, customs, values, and institutions, and cultivated within families in the larger community, preserves and improves the human condition, one individual at a time, one generation to the next. Broadly speaking, this is the civil society. To embrace the moral order as parents nurturing their children, yet to abandon the moral order as members of the ruling generation, thereby contributing to predictably deleterious public policies with prospectively calamitous outcomes is a decadence that leads to unstable and potentially oppressive or even tyrannical conditions, which in the end degrade and disassemble the civil society and consume their children's generation and generations beyond. Reformation and recovery may be possible, but difficult and complicated, and typically only after the exaction of an enormous human toll. And I am talking here about the policies that are being propounded now. In modern America, the unraveling of the civil society have been subtly persistent, but is now intensifying. Remember, I wrote this five years ago. Evidence of rising utopian statism, that is, the allure of political demagogues and self-appointed masterminds, peddling abstractions and fantasies, in pursuit of a non-existent paradisical society, and the concomitant accretion of governmental power in an increasingly authoritarian and centralized federal leviathan abounds. The ruling generation's governing policies are already forecast to diminish the quality of life of future generations, and among other things, witness the massive welfare and entitlement state, which is concurrently expanding and imploding, and the brazen abandonment of constitutional firewalls and governing limitations. If not appropriately and expeditiously ameliorated, the effects will be dire, and the ruling generation knows it. Why do so many loving parents, as part of the ruling generation, abandon the civil society for the growing tyranny of a voracious central government that steals their children's future, thus condemning their children and unborn generations to a dangerously precarious and unstable environment, despite a large majority acknowledging the national decline for which they blame politicians? Parents are constantly thinking about and talking about their own children, and in interacting with them in their everyday lives. Obviously, children are of flesh and blood, and their existence and condition are reality. Given that the future is not the here and now, and future generations are images or ideas of amorphous groups of strangers, born and unborn, parents can delude themselves that their own children's immediate welfare, which they work to protect and improve, can be detached from the well-being of future generations. I was trying to analyze this schizophrenia in the mindset of adults with children who conduct themselves in their own lives one way and yet would have society conduct in the aggregate 
itself in a completely opposite way. Even knowing that it is disastrous. This psychology also makes it easier for parents, as part of the ruling generation, to downplay or ignore the longer-term and broader ruinous effects of contemporary public policies and reject any role or responsibility in contributing to them. One of the reasons I'm going through this is I've been asked today, I have people coming up to me, how do I explain what's going on? I'm explaining it now. It is a contradiction that usually originates with governing elites and statists who relentlessly reinforce and encourage it. They self-righteously advocate public policies that obligate future generations' labors and resources to their own real and perceived benefit, empowering governmental abuse via social engineering and economic depredation. They disguise the delinquency as compassionate and premised on good intentions, often insisting their objectives will improve the prospects of those most severely burdened by them, the children. Many in the ruling generation have themselves become entrapped in economically unsustainable governmental schemes, in which they are beneficiaries of or relying on public programs, such as unfunded entitlements, to which they have contributed significantly into supposed trust funds, and around which they have organized their retirement years. They, are also, they also find self-deluding solace in the politically expedient and deceitful representations by the ruling class, which dismisses evidence of its own diversion and depletion of trust funds and its overall maladministration as the invention of doomsayers and scaremongers. So I'm trying to explain the role of the parents in this process. How they conduct themselves in ways in which they show that they love their children that they're creating a societal environment which will destroy their children. Destroy their children. (laughs) The Congressional Budget Office, five years old, appendage of Congress reports that without a dramatic change in federal spending, 25 years from now, federal debt held by the public will exceed 100% of the gross domestic product. That is 100% of all goods and services produced. Debt would be on an upward path relative to the size of the economy, a trend that could not be sustained indefinitely. This is our government reporting this. While you're hearing Sanders and the others talk about adding $30 trillion, $50 trillion, $90 trillion on top of the increases that will already occur in the spending and the budget. In addition, they said, beyond the next 25 years, the pressures caused by rising budget deficits and debt would become even greater unless laws governing taxes and spending were changed. With deficits as big as the ones that the Congressional Budget Office projects, federal debt would be growing faster than the economy, a path that would ultimately be unsustainable, quote-unquote. And this is what they concluded. At some point, investors would begin to doubt the government's willingness to or ability to pay its debt obligations, which would require the government to pay much higher interest costs to borrow money. Such a fiscal crisis would present policymakers with extremely difficult choices, and will probably have a substantial negative impact on the country. Even before that point was reached, the high and rising amount of federal debt that CBO projects under the extended baseline, that is, even before you add to it, would have significant negative consequences for both the economy and the federal budget. Why am I the only one talking about this? In the psychology of normally rational human beings with children and grandchildren. 
who vote for policies that they know will destroy their children and grandchildren and future generations, and yet they delude themselves into believing that's them, that's a group in the future, it won't affect my children. Remember what I said about a year ago. The diabolical genius of Marxism socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to government. And I should add, and the enslavement of their children in future generations. Thomas Jefferson presciently warned against such immoral collective behavior. He was a genius. He said, we believe, or we act as if we believed, that although an individual father cannot alienate the labor of his son, the aggregate body of fathers may alienate the labor of all their sons and their posterity in the aggregate and oblige them to pay for all the enterprises, just or unjust, profitable or ruinous, into which our vices, our passions, or our personal interests may lead us. But I trust that this proposition needs only to be looked at by an American to be seen in its true point of view, and that we shall all consider ourselves unauthorized to saddle posterity with our debts and morally bound to pay them ourselves, and consequently within what we may, and with what may be deemed the period of a generation or the life of the majority. He's saying it's immoral to do this to your children and grandchildren. If you're going to create the debt, pay it off. A few years later, Jefferson expressed even more trepidation. With the decline of society begins indeed the war of all against all, which some philosophers observing to be so general in this world have mistaken it for the natural instead of the abusive state of man. And the forehorse of this frightful team is public debt. Taxation follows that, and in its train, wretchedness and oppression. See, folks, the laws of economics, like the laws of science, are real. Unlike the utopian images and empty assurances of expedient and self-aggrandizing politicians and bureaucrats. There's a point of irreversibility from which no generation in the larger society can cannot recover. Moreover, just as economic and political liberty are intertwined, spreading economic instability leads to political turmoil and ultimately social disorder or collapse. In the interim, as this process unfolds, the dissolution of constitutional republicanism, including representative and consensual governance, dispersed authority among federal branches and between federal and state governments, in the empowerment of a pervasive federal administrative state incessantly insinuating itself into the lives of the people becomes regular and routine. The ensuing amalgamation of governmental control and the escalating police powers discharged to coerce and subjugate the individual through multitudinous rules, regulations, taxes, fines, and penalties confounds and benumbs much of the citizenry. Furthermore, the designed societal transformation and decay of enlightened self-government are portrayed as compassionate, progressive, and even inevitable. Nonetheless, the federal colossus will not reform itself and self-surrender its design. Its advocates, surrogates, and beneficiaries neither admit failure nor entertain circumspection. They are increasingly fanatical 
as they insist on more zealous applications of their ideological preoccupations and societal schemes. I've just defined for you Bernie Sanders, his ideology, and that basically of the Democrats running for the nomination for president. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. It is my contention that when you support a Marxist ideology, whether it's Bernie Sanders or others, that is this massive, expansive government, double and tripling its size, creating the police state necessary to enforce it, to execute, which is all smothering to the individual and entrepreneurship and your own personal motivations and desires. And you create an economic wrecking ball from which there is no escaping. How much do you really love your children and your grandchildren? I'm saying this to those who support Bernie Sanders. Feel free to call. We know as a fact that the proposals he makes are an impossibility, not merely an impracticability, an impossibility. We know there are laws of economics, supply and demand, credit and debt, interest rates, inflation, deflation, recessions, depressions. We know all these things as a matter of fact. And so if you support Bernie Sanders and you have children, I want you to come on, call. You'll be treated with respect and defend yourselves and defend what you're going to be doing to them, their lives, their future. And if you don't have children yet, but you're planning on it, same thing. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, 
through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Because our principles, our history, ancient history, is so distant from the average American citizen, it's important to remind ourselves of certain fundamental truths. You may hate certain companies. You may hate them. But they do not have the power to write laws. They do not have the power of a police state. You can pick the worst company on the face of the earth, past or present, in your own mind. They are incapable of doing to humanity what Marxism has done to humanity. What fascism has done to humanity. That is the inhumanity of these ideologies. No corporation is responsible, or no collection of corporations are responsible for the slaughter of 100 million people. That's the Marxist ideology. Which has this grand appeal. Just call it something else. Democratic socialism or what have you. Progressivism. And when you try and speak the truth and tie modern concepts of centralized governance to the ideological foundation from which they they're given birth, you're attacked. Because the modern progressive doesn't want you to understand if they even understand their own ideology's history. So Bernie Sanders goes on and on about corporate America. And by the way, as to so-called nationalist populists from time to time, just remember this. No company or collection of companies has the power of a centralized government. None. They don't have the power to set up a police state. You may not like certain companies. You may think they're price gouging or whatever you may think. But that's a far cry from what, what is going on in Mao's China, Lenin and Stalin's Russia, Castro's Cuba, Maduro and uh, Chavez's Venezuela, Mugabe's Zimbabwe. And on and on and on. You really don't have to fear a corporation or a collective of corporations. You do have to fear a centralized tyranny. That's why the Constitution is so important. That's why checks and balances are so important. That's why federalism is so important. That's why the Bill of Rights are so important. And this is why a Bernie Sanders, and I use him as an example, but he's a prominent example today. 
That's why Bernie Sanders, despite what he may say, or his defenders in the media may say, finds the American founding and founders so repugnant and finds the Constitution so repugnant. Because Marxism, progressivism, whatever ism you want to call it, cannot actually function in a healthy constitutional republic. It's antithetical to a constitutional republic. And so I asked in Plunder and Deceit, why should the United States Constitution and the faithful adherence to and execution of it by public officials matter to younger people? Bernie Sanders supporters. It provides the governing order of a republic intended to protect the individual's liberty from a tyrannical, centralized authority and conversely, the anarchy of mob rule. On September 17, 1787, at the conclusion of the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, Delegate James Wilson of Pennsylvania, on behalf of the ailing Benjamin Franklin, read aloud Franklin's speech to the, con- to the Convention in favor of adopting the Constitution. <clears throat> Franklin stated in part, I agree to this Constitution with all its faults, if they are such, because I think a general government necessary for us, and there is no form of government, but what may be a blessing to the people, if well administered. And I believe farther, that this is likely to be well administered for a course of years, and can only end in despotism, as other forms have done before it, when the people shall become so corrupted as to need despotic government being incapable of any other. What he's saying here is we created as perfect a government as we could, as imperfect as it may be, to protect the individual from a centralized government, as we need a centralized government. But we don't want to create modern parlance, a Frankenstein. But we will have a Frankenstein, no matter the checks and balances we've created. If the people, if the people surrender their liberty for tyranny, for despotic government, and there's no way to prevent that if that's what they want. And nearly half a century later, Associate Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story, considered one of the great legal thinkers of the 19th century, delivered the same warning. In August 1834, the American Institute of Instruction, and he said, among other things, the great mass of human calamities in all ages has been the result of bad government or ill-adjusted government, of a capricious exercise of power, a fluctuating public policy, a degrading tyranny, or a desolating ambition. The fundamental objects of all free government story declared are the protection and preservation of personal rights, private property, and the public liberties of the whole people. Without accomplishing these ends, the government may indeed be called free, but it is a mere mockery and a vain, fantastic shadow. Story said life, liberty, and property stand upon equal grounds in the just estimate of free men, and one becomes almost worthless without the security of the others. 
How then are these rights to be established and preserved? The answer is by constitutions of government, wisely framed and vigilantly enforced, by laws and institutions deliberately examined and steadfastly administered. This issue of private property was very, very important to the framers, as it was to John Locke, who they relied on, among others, during the Revolutionary Period, as it was to the Enlightenment, the Scottish Enlightenment, the British Enlightenment, the German Enlightenment, the French Enlightenment. Why? Why? What is private property? What is private property that Bernie Sanders believes is not a right, particularly if you have a lot of it? And I explain this in liberty and tyranny. Private property, listen, is the manifestation, the outcome of your intellectual and physical labor, of your individuality, of that which you do each and every day when you go to work, when you make money, when you buy a home or you buy a farm or you make an investment. Private property represents your time on earth. It is the material manifestation of your time on earth, of your labor. So the more of your labor that the government takes, taxing you at 50%, 60%, 70%, taxing what you have created with your intellectual and physical labor, the more the government is stealing your liberty. We have a finite time on earth. When the government takes 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of what you've earned, they've taken 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of what you've done in your waking hours as an individual human being. That's plunder. When people talk about taking 90%, or 70%, or over 50% of what you've earned. They're talking about taking 90%, 70%, or over half of your labor, your intellectual and physical labor, of what you do every day. So they can put it to a use that they believe it should be put to, or to give it to somebody else. Joseph Story explained that Benjamin Franklin had cautioned that a constitution by itself cannot secure a republic, as you just heard, nor can reliance on rulers and statesmen alone. The citizenry must be alert and resolute and ensure that those who hold high office uphold the rules of governance. He wrote, it is equally indispensable for every American citizen to enable him to exercise his own rights, to protect his own interests, and to secure the public liberties and just operations of public authority. A republic, by the very constitution of its government, requires on the part of the people more vigilance and constant exertion than all others. The American republic, he said, above all others, demands from every citizen unceasing vigilance and exertion, since we have deliberately dispensed with every guard against danger or ruin, except the intelligence and virtue of the people 
themselves. Which brings us to another point. Your founding fathers believed that liberty in and of itself wasn't enough. Because your liberty can be used to do horrific things to other people. Free to harm other people, free to steal their stuff, and so forth and so on. And they believed, and John Adams wrote extensively about this, and he wasn't the only one, that liberty, that liberty alone is not enough. That the companion to liberty is virtue. Virtue. And I am here to tell you tonight that the Bernie Sanders ideology, that the ideology of AOC and Talib and Omar, that the ideology of Pelosi and the Democrat Party today is virtueless. It's virtueless. Which is why they come up with all kinds of schemes and plans to take from you your labor and to create this massive all-encompassing leviathan with endless tentacles bullying you, smothering you. And if we would teach our children and grandchildren, if we would teach in our government schools and colleges and universities the true diabolical nature of Marxism, socialism, and radical progressivism, we could turn this country around. But today, they control, they have devoured the instrumentalities of education. So it's left to you, as individual parents and grandparents, to do it. Not the government schools and the colleges and universities. Which is why I started this program tonight, with plunder and deceit. And asked the parents and grandparents, who are going to vote for Bernie Sanders, Do they really care about their children and grandchildren? Or those who hope to have children one day, do you really care about the children that you hope to have one day? When you will create a tyrannical, dark, impoverished environment for your children? Something you would never do in your own homes? But as a collective with others, you feel secure in inflicting society generally? With this kind of immoral conduct? Think about it. I'm not spending an hour on this in the first hour just to demonstrate how smart Mark is. I want you to think about this. Particularly if you're a Sanders supporter or support one of the other left-wing reprobates who wants to be your president. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. 
because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today. Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. By the way, we have a tremendous Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, where we get into a lot of these issues on Sanders, the ideology, if you're really into this and history, we'll apply it to what's taking place today. I really hope you'll watch it with Charlie Kirk and me. He's an extremely smart young man. He's got his feelers out on all these college campuses, what's going on with young people. So I hope you'll watch this. This is a very different program, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I hope you're getting used to it and enjoying it and scheduling it and watching it or DVRing, or however you go about Let's begin with Bob Foley in Minnesota, the Mark Levin app by Bernie supporter. Go, sir. Hi, Mark. Yes, sir. Go right, right ahead. We have one minute. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, you, you, need, you need both wings uh, for a bird to fly. We need the left wing. You can't just eliminate it. I don't have any Otherwise, idea what that means. We, we, don't, we don't need wings to fly. We're not flying. You sound like Woodrow Wilson, who talks about... Uh, the living, breathing Constitution. Why haven't, why haven't we outlawed the Communist Party? What do you mean, why haven't we outlawed the com? Oh, jeez. Are you a Bernie supporter? I am a Bernie supporter. Okay. Why? What do you mean, why haven't we outlawed the Communist Party? Because it's a legal party. It's, it's a, it's Who cares? A, it's a what does this have to do with anything that I have said? Well, you said you were talking about the... I want to hang you over. I want to keep you over, even though you're not the best and most articulate defender of Bernie Sanders. But let's, let's address you. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's see. We can have a relatively uh, sensible discussion with Bob Foley in Minnesota, a we're in Foley, Minnesota, a uh, Bernie Sanders supporter. Go ahead, Bob. Bob? Bob left. Is Bob there or not? Bob, are yeah. you there or not, sir? Yes, I am. Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, what about the East India Trading Company? East uh, that, India that company Trading became company. more powerful than the British government. Really? And what happened? And, and, where, and, where, and where is the East India Trading Company today? Perhaps they've met I asked you, where is it today? British government. Where is it? It's now the British government. Man. No, it's not the British government. Where is it? It doesn't exist. Well, in, in its uh, original form, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't right, exist in any trans- form, sir. Why are you? Why are you obsessed the- with the? This is where you have to go. This is where you have to go. I can go to Cuba, 
as your hero likes to call it. You want to go to Cuba? You want to talk about Cuba? No, but I would. Why don't Why don't you want to talk about Cuba? How about we talk about Chavez in Venezuela? Well, how about we talk about something this century? Listen to this, if you would. What's that? Comcast. What about Comcast? That the four big media companies are more powerful than the United States government. Who who would argue that the four... Hey, pal, you're so stupid, it's hard to even rationalize with you. Listen to how stupid you sound. You know how you deal with Comcast? You shut your television off. Or you cut off your cable. Tell me, how do I shut off the IRS? The scary thing is... Pay attention to me, you moron! Start listening to what I'm saying! I'm trying to talk some common sense into you. You're busy clicking all the bucket points. Comcast? Does anybody think Comcast... And I'm no fan of Comcast. Who cares? Does anybody think Comcast is as powerful as the federal government? This idiot wants to talk about the East India Trading Company? I want to talk about 100 million people killed as a result of Marxism. I want to talk about gulags where millions of people are in bare existence today in Marxist regimes. I want to talk about genocide. I want to talk about poverty. I want to talk about people starving, police states. Do you want to talk about any of that? I want to talk about four companies more Get off my phone, you idiot. Listen to this moron. Now, why is he an idiot? I'll tell you why. He's embracing a candidate in an ideology that's irrational. Irrational. I want to talk about an earthquake. And he wants to talk about a toothache. And this guy, he lives in the lap of, you know, we live in this society like no human beings have ever lived. This jerk is sitting in a comfortable home in Minnesota, wearing clothes, presumably, probably eating all kinds of food, probably overweight, calls me on a telephone, has electricity, can go to the toilet and take a crap Without going outside, he's got sewage, he's got running water, he's got heat in Minnesota, he's got all kinds of cool stuff. Probably an automobile. And he's whining and complaining. Wants to talk about the East Indian Company. Or Comcast. You don't like Comcast? Get rid of Comcast. You idiot. That guy's vote's going to cancel my vote. Like, what about Comcast? What about, well, what about it? See, they have all these boogeymen. Because they think many of you are going to be mad at Comcast because you don't like your monthly cable bills. You don't like your monthly cable bill? Then don't have cable. There's a hundred ways around cable now. My God, I'm talking about tyranny. I'm talking about turning this country inside out. And this idiot is talking about Comcast. How do you rationalize with this? You can't. Hill says, what about ExxonMobil? I don't like what they charge me at the time. They're profiteers. And, uh, and what about the pharmaceutical companies? And, and, and what, about, what about the automobile companies? And the profits? And, and, and what about the toasters? And, and, what, and, what about, and what about idiot? Now, if he had been relatively rational, I'd like to know what he's done in his life. I want you to think about the Bernie Sanders program, what it rewards. What does it reward? 
Mr. Producer? Does it reward productivity? No, it punishes productivity. Does it reward creativity? No, it punishes creativity. Does it reward investment? No, it punishes investment. In other words, it's anti-ethical to everything that makes this country function. Because, of course, we're racists from top to bottom. Isn't that what he says? Racist from top to bottom. Sick. Absolutely sick. All right, let's move on. And by the way, any other Bernie supporters out there, feel free to call. Try desperately, would you, to make some sense? It's difficult. Here, let's do it this way. Try to raise an issue without mentioning Donald Trump or an American corporation. All right? See if you can do that. Now, uh, I want you to listen to this guy, Dylan Byers. Dylan Byers is really a sleazeball. This guy's been a sleazeball since he's been writing a Politico. He's covered the media all these years. Never had a nice thing to say about me. We have an extremely successful program at a very difficult time of the day on radio. With millions of you who are listeners, we have an extremely successful digital TV program. We have an extremely successful program on Fox. I write books that are extremely successful. And what does this guy do? Trashes all the time. You don't even know who he is, right? But he sits there and writes about the media, about people like me. I don't think this guy's ever talked to me. Maybe once, I don't remember. But he knows all about me. I don't know if he sits and listens to the program day in and day out, or he just takes his his marching orders from Media Matters. But the Democrats come right out of the box earlier this week and late last week, trying to politicize the coronavirus. Lying. Lying. About what the president has done. Even the Associated Press put out a marvelous piece. I was stunned. I was shocked. Laying in to what the Democrats were saying. But I want you to listen to this guy in response to Stephanie Rule. What network is this? MSLSD, Mr. Producer? And Dylan Byers is now the NBC senior media reporter. We have media reporters that report on everybody but themselves. And basically what that means is they attack Fox and they attack conservative radio. People like me. That's what they mean by media reporters. You got that that little puke, BS, Brian Stelter? You got this puke, Dylan Byers? Pukes galore. Go ahead, seven. Dylan, what's your reaction to this narrative from conservative media? Yes, Dylan, not like we didn't talk before. Gee, Mr. Producer, that wasn't a setup, was it? What a tough question. Dylan, Dylan, what is the reaction to this narrative from conservative talk radio? What narrative? First of all, I don't know what anybody else is saying. I don't monitor all these other shows. What's everybody else saying? I don't know. I know what I'm saying. What's my narrative? I don't have a narrative. Hit it from the top, please. Cut seven, go. Dylan, what's your reaction to this narrative from conservative media? Well, look, you know, two things. First of all, on the one hand, the the sort of unwavering loyalty that conservative media like Fox News, talk radio, has to this president in the White House is very familiar. No, 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 no. Just because we don't want to sabotage the president, just because we stand up to the unconstitutional efforts 
to institute a coup against the president just because we stand up against a rogue FBI, particularly at the senior levels, that sends spies into a campaign, just because we object to illegal leaking by senior officials at the FBI, just because we object to a phony Russia collusion scandal that is used to try and take out the president, and on and on and on, the list is infinite. We don't want to sabotage the president. It doesn't mean we agree with everything. The problem is, Dylan, if that is your name, the problem is you guys hate everything this man has done, including his very existence. Go ahead. To attack the media, whether it be mainstream media. So their uh, willingness to attack the media. I wrote an entire book called Unfreedom of the Press. Do you think this, this Dylan Byers has read it? Sold over half a million copies in all forms. You think he's read it? You're free to come on this program, Dylan, and discuss it. No circumspection whatsoever. Go ahead. About anything that seems even remotely critical of the president is also something that is extremely familiar. However, when you are talking about... What the hell about- is he rambling about? He's a media analyst. A senior media analyst. Dylan, why don't you admit you're a leftist? You were a leftist at Politico. That's why you were there. You hated conservative talk. Why don't you admit it? Why do you pretend to be something you're not? All of these fools. Go ahead. Thing where there is a public health emergency, if it were a natural disaster, anything where public safety is in question, to then go out and politicize it and, and, and sort of lead your viewership at Fox News or your listeners on talk radio to believe uh, that they have nothing to worry All right, let me, about. Let me, let, me, let me say this, because this guy is, is a liar and a propagandist. I can speak for myself, and we have a pretty big radio program, don't we, Mr. Producer? I think we do. <clears throat> millions and millions of listeners on terrestrial radio, millions of listeners on the podcast, not to mention other platforms. Millions. Did I say you have nothing to worry about about the coronavirus, Mr. Producer? Is this guy hearing voices in the middle of the night? I never said that. On the other hand, I said that the Democrats are trying to create a panic. And the Democrats have been lying about the funding for the CDC and the NIH. The Democrats have been lying about senior experts and the government have been removed by the president. They have not. That the president didn't act in a timely manner. The president acted very early on while they were trying to remove him from office and, and froze and paralyzed the United States Congress for a critical period of time, as I explained last night on Hannity. This guy's a media analyst. I think we need analysts for media analysts, Mr. Producer. But every damn one of them is a left-wing propagandist, whether it's Dylan Byers or Brian Stelter. Why are they all named so weird? Stelter. Dylan. Basically, they're both kind of Dylan Stelter, if you ask me. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. You have such a vested interest in defending this president. Seems to me to be getting very far into the realm of irresponsibility. Why do, why, why do I have a vested interest? What does that mean that I have a vested interest in defending this president? What does that even mean? I have a six-year no-cut contract, Mr. Producer. I can do whatever I want, pretty much. 
if I don't violate the law or some FCC regulation. So what are they talking about? If I have no ratings or massive ratings, I'm not going anywhere. But we have a vested interest, you see. So Trump is illegitimate. Fox is illegitimate. Conservative talk radio is illegitimate. Meanwhile, if you dare to call out Jim Acosta and the other clowns who pretend to be professional journalists, you're attacking the press. Well, Fox isn't the press. Radio is not the press. The left-wing progressive Democrat Party press gets to decide what the press is. And the press is only that, only that which they agree with, or with whom they agree. The rest of us, really not the press. Dylan, I always knew you were an idiot. Now you're up there with Brian Stelter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Of course, we're not, going to, uh, we're not going to use the whole program for this, but let's listen to just a few minutes of the president in South Carolina. Go ahead. Two miles, and this is the exact wall that border security wanted, everything. This is everything they wanted. 132 miles already. We'll have 500 miles built by very early next year sometime. So. One of the reasons the numbers are so good. We will do everything in our power to keep the infection and those carrying the infection from entering our country. We have no choice. Whether it's the virus that we're talking about or many other public health threats, the Democrat policy of open borders is a direct threat to the health and well-being of all Americans. Now, you see it with the coronavirus. You see it. You see it with the coronavirus, you know, you see that. When you have this virus or any other virus or any other problem coming in, it's not the only thing that comes in through the border. And we're setting records now at the border. We're setting records. And now, just using this, so important, right? So important. I'm doing well in the polls despite the worst fake news and worst presidential harassment in the history of the United States. We've got phenomenal numbers. No, it's true. The worst presidential harassment in history. We had a great event yesterday. An event that was so beautiful. Young African-American leaders. One of the things I asked them, 
and I've been thinking about this for a long time, and great people, great people, some of them are here tonight. Do you like the name African-American or black? And they said, black, all at the same time. No, true, I tell you. Because you say African-American or black. And they said, almost like immediately black. But we had an incredible group of people. And what happened is NBC, it was such a love fest. It was so incredible. Went on for 45 minutes. It was a love fest. It was incredible. NBC turned down. There they are right there. They turned down. Comcast, which owns NBC. Actually, NBC, I think, which is, we call it MSDNC, right? MSDNC. But NBC, I think, is worse than CNN. I actually do. And Comcast, a company that spends millions and millions of dollars on their image, I'll do everything possible to destroy their image because they are terrible. They are terrible. They are terrible. They're a terrible group of people. And they paid me a fortune for years for The Apprentice. They paid me a fortune. And when I left the show, it was doing great. When I left the show, 14 seasons, think of that. They got a big movie star. I won't tell you his name. Nobody would know. Actually, nobody will know his name because he was on for such a short period of time. But uh, the show went down the tubes very quickly after they had Trump. But the country in five years from now... President of the United States understands better than Dylan Byers, Stelter, and all the rest of them. You know what he understands, Mr. Producer? The culture. The culture. And he functions within the culture, and he's addressing us through the culture. That's why you find it so compelling and intriguing and entertaining. I'll be right back. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You see, the so-called media analysts, like the legal analysts, they'll only consider you legitimate if you trash the president. Then you're legitimate. Like them, you know. There's such pathetic buffoons it's really you know it's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily what am i talking about that's the brutal lesson deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online forged it literally took ownership of her home in an instant thieves legally owned deborah's home she got evicted and spent a fortune of legal fees trying to get it back and by the way she still has the debt she still has the mortgage the fbi calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes And you do not want to be next. That's why I urge you, urge you to protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock. The legal documents to our homes are kept online where thieves hunt them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home. Then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. No insurance or bank protects you, but Home Title Lock will and does. You could already be a victim of title fraud and not even know it. So you need to find out. That's the first thing. So register your home at HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark 
for one month of free protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark. Mark. HomeTitleLock.com. Enter Mark for one month free protection. Now, the media are sort of doing a hit and run on this. But there was a big decision today by a panel of the appeals court in Washington, D.C. involving Don McGahn. Don McGahn is the former and first counsel to the President of the United States, White House counsel. And his testimony was subpoenaed by the rogue Democrats in the House. We have a tradition in this country, which is that the immediate circle around the President, and then some, is immune from such subpoenas as a general matter. Not in every case, but as a general matter. So the president can actually conduct himself and his business with confidence in knowing that his advisors will not be subjected to the opposition party's attacks. Otherwise, he's not free to speak to them. Imagine that in your own case. If you have an accountant, you have a lawyer, or whomever, whatever it is. Especially the president, who is in charge of one branch of the government. I've been telling you here, behind this microphone, that what the House Democrats were trying to do, really a committee, not even the House generally, would not work. We have a long tradition of protecting the office of the presidency. And that really this is a dispute between two branches of government, and the courts really shouldn't be playing referee. some ways it's a complicated issue, not to me, but to others. Well, a decision came down today, and the president won, meaning we won, meaning the Constitution won, Mr. Byers. As ABC News wrote, in a two-to-one ruling, a panel of federal appeals court judges on Friday ordered the dismissal of House Democrats' case seeking the testimony of Donald McGahn, meaning the former White House counsel would not have to appear before a congressional committee. And I can tell you that the court would rule the same way if it were John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor. The ruling grants a major legal victory to President Donald Trump. The ruling, ladies and gentlemen, protects separation of powers. That's what it does. The Department of Justice, arguing on the president's behalf, has contended that the Constitution forbids federal courts from resolving this kind of interbranch information dispute. We agree and dismiss the case, the judges wrote in their 88-page opinion. Now, what the media are saying, to the extent they cover this, is that the author of the opinion, the three-judge panel, on behalf of the two judges, is a gentleman by the name of Thomas Griffin, a Republican appointee. Now, this is really quite fascinating to me. When the president and others like me talk about Obama-appointed judges, we are admonished. The president was admonished by, of all people, the Chief Justice of the United States. We don't have Obama judges and Clinton judges and Reagan judges and Trump judges, says John Roberts in an incoherent and unbelievably stupid statement. Of course, 
Trump appoints judges on a different basis than Obama. Trump wants them to comply with the Constitution. Obama wants them to eviscerate it. In any event, the fact of the matter is, really, the status quo prevailed. Prevailed. And yet the reporting on this has been minimal. All the talk going on and on. All the talk. We need McGahn. We got to have Bolton. We got to. And by the way, while that Senate trial's going on, the coronavirus is spreading in China and elsewhere. But I'll play a little bit for you what I said last night on Hannity. But first, I want to swing back into the president who's speaking in South Carolina, Mr. Producer. They Go think ahead. Bernie's easier to beat. They think Bernie's easier to beat. So whether it's Bernie Sanders' plan to eliminate private health care, Elizabeth Warren's plan, I told you that I had more Indian blood in me than her, even though I have none. I have none. Zero. I have none. I have none. I said I have more Indian blood in me than she has. And she choked. She said, I'm going to show. I'm going to show. She hired this company, and they went out and did a blood test. 1,024th, right? So that means I probably won somewhere down the line a million years ago. I'm telling you, that was horrible. She choked. We don't want a person to win that chokes. We don't want a choke artist, right? One thing you will say about me, I'm not a choker with all these people for years. They're after me for years. We can't have chokers. We can't have chokers as your president. So... Elizabeth Warren's plan to eliminate America's borders, so that's what you like, or Minnie Mike's plan to eliminate your Second Amendment and take away your guns. How about that? <laughs> Minnie Mike wants to take away your guns. The insanity of the Democrat Party is why millions of registered Democrat voters are joining our movement. They are joining our great new Republican Party. This November, we are going to take back the House, we are going to hold the Senate, and we are going to keep the White House. I wonder what they say when they go down the road and they see these groups of 200 people. Seriously, I wonder what they say. They never talk about it. They'll say, uh... Joe Biden had a fabulous crowd today. Fabulous! So fabulous that there's like five people. And they'll leave and they'll say, President Trump had a smattering of applause. Smattering. They use the word smattering a lot. This is not, let's let them hear it. This is not a smattering. This is a big, this is not a smattering. It's not a smattering. Turn the camera. That's not a smattering. That is not a smattering. I hate it. They say Donald Trump, you know, in uh, India, I hate to say this to you, but so they actually have 129,000 seat stadium. Did you see it? The place was packed. And they did better than most. They gave me credit for 100,000. That was not bad. It's 129. The stadium holds 100. They had a field that's about three times. It's cricket. It's the biggest stadium. 
And at 129, I was with the Prime Minister of India, Modi, great guy, loved by the people of India. And we had an amazing thing. And I went in, and here's the problem. This is a big crowd. And normally, I like talking about my crowds, because I get crowds like nobody's. But I just got back from 140 or 50 or 60,000 people. And now I'm coming here. What does this place hold? 15? It's hard to be enthused. Do you understand that? I may never be excited again about a crowd after going to India. But they have, think of this, they have 1.5 billion people. We have 350. So we're doing pretty well. I'll tell you what, but I love this crowd. And I love that crowd too. Tell you, they have a great love for... They have a great love. They have a great leader and they have a great love for the people of this country. Where That was really a worthwhile trip. With us tonight are both of your incredible... All right, we're going to take a little break, Mr. Producer. Which commercial am I on? Can you tell me? We're good right now. No commercial? You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you a little inside baseball. We are one of the most successful talk shows ever in this time slot. Today, we're the most successful talk show in this time slot, period, because of you. The number of listeners in terrestrial radio, that's AMFM, the number of listeners on the podcast, the number of listeners online streaming, number of listeners on satellite, and commercially, they've never seen anything like this ever in this time slot, ever. And that's because of you. And I want to thank you. God bless each and every one of you. It's like a big family. That's what we have here, a big family. And the media analysts and the other haters will never get it. And we don't even care if they do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what? It's fun to be a conservative. It's fun to believe in liberty and individuality. It's fun to be a capitalist. Look how dreary and down in the mouth and just how angry the left is all the time. Now, they make us angry at them. But in our everyday lives, we're happy. We love liberty, and we want to defend it and protect it. We want to pass it along to our children and our grandchildren. Boy, do they hate. Boy, are they out of control. The Democrat Party and the media, it's like walking through a mental institution with padded cells and padded hallways. They're throwing food at each other. They're throwing chairs at each other. They're howling at the moon. It's what they do. It's what they do. The greatest society on the face of the earth. And you know how you know it's the greatest society on the face of the earth? Many reasons, but you know how? Because morons like that are roaming freely on the, in the country. Right, Mr. Medusa? They're roaming freely. Nobody stops them. <laughs> and I would say this to Dylan Beyer, if that's his name. People call into this show. People can talk to me. We can argue. 
I can cut them off. They can try and cut me off. Nobody can talk to Dylan Byer. He lives in a bubble as a senior media analyst at NBC. He doesn't have access to the people. He doesn't even want access to the people. None of these journalists. Every now and then they go out on a field trip. Hey, let's go to the border. Hey, let's go to a diner. Hey, let's go to an assembly line. You folks on the border, at diners, on assembly lines, you're part of my audience. You call into the program. You tell us what's going on. Not so over there at the Narcissistic Broadcast Corporation. Hillsdale College understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. That's why learning truth is a pillar of Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars are purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. Now, look, if young people don't learn about America's great heritage of liberty, the freedom in our country will vanish. They must be taught how our government works and the importance of the Constitution. They need to develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Since so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digests, primus. I really want you to learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Tell me, Mr. Producer, have the Democrats yet invented a vaccine for my problem? Bronchitis. I don't think they have. Very disappointed in them. I could use one. This damn thing's been going on five or six weeks. When you speak for a living, that doesn't make it easy. Let's go back to the president. Go ahead. So thank you very much for being here. And maybe I could ask our governor, our great governor of this incredible state, to say a few words, please, Henry. Henry McMaster, everybody. Who is the greatest president in the whole world whom we love more than anybody in the world? We love you. And what is the name of the president who loves you? And whom are we going to send back to the White House for four more glorious years? And what is the greatest country on the face of the earth? By the way, you don't hear any of this at a Democrat rally. What's the greatest country on the face of the earth? What do they say? Uh, The Scandinavian countries. Yeah, Denmark. Thank you very much. And where is Alan? Is your son here? Your great son, Attorney General? Alan, thank you very much. Take good care of him, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Alan. 
And thanks to Republicans all over America, we are now working on things that nobody ever thought possible. Since my election, over 121,000 new jobs have been created right here in South Carolina. We've lifted 10 million people off welfare, including 7 million off of food stamps. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. They're working and they have great jobs and they love getting up in the morning and they're making much more money. And it costs our country nothing. We make money. They pay taxes. It's a whole different deal. Median household income has reached the highest level in the history of our country. The unemployment rate nationwide has hit the lowest rate in over 50 years. The average unemployment rate for my administration is the lowest for any U.S. president in recorded history. How about that one? That's a good one. That's a no, good no, no, you don't understand. We got to get rid of him and replace him with Bernie Sanders. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a powerful hour left, the last hour of the week. I hope you'll join us. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. So I was on Hannity last night, for the first time in about two months, and the coronavirus was the issue. And um, Hannity won the night, of course, on Fox. He normally does. He's got a hell of a great show. It's a hell of a great lineup there, quite frankly, and that's why CNN, MSNBC, NBC, all the rest of them are so jealous of it. Their loss. They have no viewers. Fox does. Conservative talk radio is the only talk radio that succeeds. So they hate it. They attack us. Their newspapers are going out of business. Their cable companies are going out of business. Their viewership going south. And they keep fighting. Why? They keep attacking their own audience. That's why. Anyway, that's their problem. Thought you might want to hear a little bit of this. It's Friday. We always keep our foot on the gas pedal. We don't let up. Cut one, go. I watch all of this, great one, and I'm thinking, well, we can't unite over killing a terrorist by the name of Soleimani, and here we have a virus, and we're the best at the world at curing things. We can't unite over that either. It's like, well, if a lot of people get sick and the stock market continues to tank, we may actually have a chance to win in 2020. Well, I watch this, and I realize there's an awful lot of stupid people on TV, quite frankly. 
The last people I want playing doctor with me or the American people would be Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They attacked the president of the United States. Not one negative word for the dictator of China and the way they've mishandled this entire thing. In fact, you got Bloomberg out there praising China. You got Thomas Friedman with 1,200 Pulitzer Prizes and the New York Times praising China. Are they praising China now? There's been no CDC cuts. There have been increases. It's time to get the facts out. Certain individuals have been quarantined by this president. First time in over half a century the U.S. government has done that. The White House Coronavirus Task Force was appointed over a month ago. The president temporarily suspended entry into the U.S. I put this list together, by the way, of foreign nationals who pose a risk of transmitting the coronavirus. Now, what have the Democrats done during this period of time? The Democrat, from January 16th to February 5th, the United States Senate was paralyzed by the House Democrats and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi with this outrageous impeachment trial where the senators had to sit on their hands and shut their mouths, couldn't conduct any business. They couldn't pass a bill to increase funding. They say they want more funding. They couldn't do it. They couldn't hold hearings on the coronavirus. They couldn't do anything because Pelosi and Schumer shut down the United States Congress. They don't want to talk about that, do they? Now, the Democrats, they go to the microphone and they attack not just the president, the professionals, the CDC, the NIH, the AG HHS, they don't know anything. What is their plan? What is the Schumer, Pelosi, Sanders, Biden, Buttigieg, Warren, Klobacher, uh, whatever? What are their plans? Well, they have great plans for containment. Open borders, eliminate ICE, no vetting of foreigners, sanctuary cities, nationalize and destroy the greatest health care system on the face of the earth, destroy our pharmaceutical companies that will come up with the solutions. The solutions won't be in any of Bernie Sanders' favorite communist regimes. They won't come from the Scandinavian countries. They'll come from us. They'll come from capitalism. What do they support? Massive taxes. What is their containment plan? They have no containment plan. What is their vaccination development plan? They have no vaccination development plan. Meanwhile, they attack the President of the United States. The answers won't come from the liberals and the Democrats, which is why they attack. Cut to go. Something shocking happened the other day, Sean Hannity. There was an AP, AP fact check. The National Institutes of Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, they say, are not suffering from budget cuts that never took effect. Yet you listen to Schumer, he wants eight and a half billion dollars. For what? He can't even tell you, Dr. Schumer. Indeed, they say the money the government disease detect is first tapped to fight the latest outbreak was a congressional fund created for health emergencies in the past. Some public health experts say a bigger concern than White House budgets is the steady erosion of a CDC grant program for state and local public health emergency preparedness. You know what happened? They cut it past Congresses before this president even took office. They say the broader point about there being nobody here in charge, you've been hearing Pelosi say that, they have a whole system in place, a pandemic system in place that automatically triggers. They have an automatic system in place. The president doesn't have to trigger. It's at work right now. And you have independent health authorities like John Orbach, president of the Nonpartist Trust for Americans Health, says we haven't cut 
the senior experts in the government who know how to deal with this stuff. We haven't cut any budgets. They're plugging along. They're doing an excellent job. You know who's not doing an excellent job? The Democrats, Pelosi and Schumer. If we got rid of them, the country would be advancing in many, many ways. Amen. Was that me, Mr. Producer? By the way, somebody's mic was on, one of the guests that was coming up, and you heard them say, like, Humpty Dumpty or something. Wasn't about me. They were testing their mic. Just pointing out a little bit of background for you. Don Trump Jr., who I'm very, very fond of. My wife and I have gotten to know him and Kimberly, and we think they're terrific. Donald Trump Jr. on Fox and Friends today. He states something that is unequivocally factually true. Cut three, go. We've seen this play out for four years. Anything that they can use to try to hurt Trump, they will. Anything he does in a positive sense, like you heard from the reporter that was just suspended from ABC, they will not give him credit for. The playbook is old at this point. But for them to try to take a pandemic and seemingly hope that it comes here and kills millions of people so that they could end Donald Trump's streak of winning is a new level of sickness. You know, I don't know if this is coronavirus or Trump derangement syndrome, but these people are infected badly. To run that in the New York Times, this isn't Vox. This isn't one of these, you know, crazy left-wing journalists. This is the New York Times. By the way, he's talking about the New York Times calling it the Trump virus. The New York Times. The New York Times that covered up the Holocaust. Go ahead. It's truly sick. Now, those same Democrats last week when my father shut down travel to and from China were saying, it's an overreaction. It's a disaster. You're being xenophobic. Now they're flipping that. I mean, they can have it both ways because no one in the media will actually cover themselves honestly. And that's what's going on. And I think the American people have seen it for what it is. And it's an absolute travesty. So, of course... What do they do at MSLSD? By the way, did you see there's another sexual harassment thing over there, Mr. Producer? Wow, these liberals, can't they keep their hands to themselves? Can't they keep their mouth shut? Uh, But anyway, they did a whole movie on Fox. You realize that, Mr. Producer? Where's the movie on Joe Scarborough's staff, you know, Mark Halpern? Or the movie on Matt Lauer. Or the movie on Charlie Rose. Or the movie now, I guess, on Chris Matthews. Can have all kinds of movies. Where are the media analysts there? Uh, Dylan Byers and uh, what's his face? Brian Stelter. Helter Stelter. Now, John Garamendi has been around California politics for a very, very long time. He thinks he's a tough guy. He's not a tough guy. He's a joke. He's an idiot. As a matter of fact, he was defending Joe Biden the other day. Did you see that, Mr. Bidus? He sounded like he was dumber than Joe Biden. He defended Joe Biden when Joe Biden said that in South Africa, you know, he was there to help Nelson Mandela and he was turned away. He made it up, Joe Biden. And this idiot, Garamenti, was defending him. That's right, pal. You're an idiot, Mr. Tough Guy. What are you going to do, take me on to? Try it. These guys with the Capitol Police protecting them and everything else. Oh, I'm going to, like Joe Biden walking around. I'm going to clock that guy. Really? What are you going to do? Fight your way through the Secret Service? There's such frauds and jokes. 
Now let's listen to this putz. That's right, tough guy. Cut four, go. When you look at the discussion around coronavirus as it exists in the politics sphere, the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., was on this morning uh, and suggested or said... Hey, Haley, Haley. Hello, Haley. Did you hear what Schumer said and Pelosi said long before Don Jr. spoke? Do you know what Don Jr. is reacting to and responding to, Haley? No, you don't. Why? You're another idiot. You're an idiot. You work at a bottom feeder enterprise, MSLSD. Go ahead. Democrats are taking a pandemic, seemingly hoping, and I'm quoting, quote, it comes here and kills millions of people so it can end the president's streak of winning. He called that a new level of sickness. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Yes, I want to give you an opportunity, Congressman, to really lay into Don Jr., because that's what we do in our newsroom here on MSLSD, where we have only the best news people. Rachel Madcow, Lawrence the Nut O'Donnell. What are they? What else they have? Oh, Al Sharpton. Hands Chris Matthews. Oh, I got Brian Williams. We got the best of the best here over here at MSLSD. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Do they ever do this to a conservative Republican? Set it up and then say, you know, Don Jr., we want to give you an opportunity to respond. Now, let's listen to what this a-hole, a-hole, Mark, what do you mean by a-hole? What do you think I mean? Armhole, armhole, what did you think I was thinking? Get your heads out of the gutter. I was thinking armhole. What were you thinking, Mr. Producer? Armhole, right. Let's listen to this a-hole, Garamendi. Go ahead. From Don Jr. He should not be near me when he says that. There would be a serious altercation. Oh, wow. What a strong, tough man. You're going to be wearing your false teeth? Hmm? When you do that, you're going to be doing that? You're going to be taking your Geritol? Just curious. He should not be near me when he says that. All these tough Democrat congressmen, have you noticed? Go ahead. That is just totally outrageous. That is totally outrageous. I can assure you that there is not a Democrat or Republican in Congress that wants anybody to be sick. Don Jr. (laughs) better not get any place close to me. It would not be a healthy situation. Oh, wow. So scared. Garamendi, tough guy. So scared. And you're a liar, too. I don't know about millions of dead. But you guys are doing this right in front of our eyes. We're not stupid. We see what the Democrat Party is doing. When there's a hurricane and there's a Republican president, the Democrat Party tries to destroy the Republican president. Natural disasters, terrorist attacks, the Democrats try and destroy the Republicans. That's what you do, Garamendi. What's his first name again? I don't even remember. John, Johnny. That's what you do, Johnny. It's just the truth. I'll give you a perfect example. Here's Mike Bloomberg, a.k.a. Mike Bloomturd, on MSLSD today. Cut five, go. Do you trust and should Americans trust President Trump to deal with this crisis? Now, now listen to this. The question that Garamendi got was a setup question to attack John Jr., Now, the question that 
Bloomberg gets is a question to attack the president. Do you trust? Do you trust and should Americans trust President Trump to deal with this crisis? What kind of a question is that? Casey Hunt, another moron, another low IQ former journalist student. But Bloomberg, ready for the tough question. What did he say? Go. No. Um, he is not prepared for a crisis like this. Quite the contrary. He fired the pandemic specialist. Hey, let's ago. stop. He's a liar, this guy. He is a pathological liar. Bloomberg is. He didn't fire anybody. The whole group of experts, senior experts, are in place. The system's in place. The system is operating. If there are faults in the system, there are faults in the system that got there before Trump was president of the United States. Most of this actually moves by, it's rote. It's in place. It triggers. And then the president of the United States comes over the top and gives it an extra push, adds resources, further provides laser attention to it, and does what presidents do. And he's done that. I can't think of another thing this president should be doing. Not another thing. And so they lie. The Associated Press pointed that out. But still, over at MSLSD, they only use the Associated Press when they agree with it. So, Bloomberg, what do you think? now? He's not prepared for it. So the media and the Democrats are trying to undermine the public's faith in the president, undermine the public's faith in these institutions. And then when you call him out, you know what? He better not come close to me when he says, ah, better not get any place close to me. It would not be a healthy situation. Why? Why? Your false teeth going to fall out of your mouth? Why? You're going to throw up on your, on your loafers? Why is that? Garamendi, what are you going to do, tough guy? But these people are clowns. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. We have another Bernie supporter, Robert Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Bernie Sanders is a revolutionary this country needs to bring it back from the brink of total destruction from this fascist Donald Trump. First of all, the top one-tenth of one Actually, it's Bernie Sanders who is fascistic. 
No, he's not. The top one-tenth of Actually, 1%. it's Bernie Sanders who wants to use the government and force us to do things against our will, like give up our health care, give up our earnings. That's fascistic. Well, people like you earn too much money, and don't you feel bad when people are... I pay saving? the taxes that subsidize you. No, you do. Well, what do you, what do you do? What do you do, sir? I am currently unemployed. Okay. Well, why don't you get off your ass and get a job? There's 3.6% unemployment. Well, you're, why should so I? Nine, almost, exactly. Why should you? Because you're on the dole. You're a loafer. I don't care what the top 1% earn, you idiot. Get off your ass and go earn a living. Take care of yourself. You're not my responsibility. You're not my kid. You're not my relative. You're a loser. Guilty when you have more than other people. Why does that matter? Everybody has more than somebody else. If everybody has the same thing, it's called prison, you idiot. Your greed is going to end. I don't have any greed. I believe in liberty. You're the one who's greedy. You want the government to steal from your neighbors because you get up out of bed at 10 in the morning. You go to bed at 1 in the morning. You sit there in three days of underwear. You're drinking your 32-ounce big gulp. That Bloomberg doesn't think you should drink, and you get to tell me what to do? Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you to tell me to do anything, you creep? Actually, now get off my phone, you jerk. And don't forget to vote on Wednesday in November. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. You know, these Bernie supporters, at least based on those who call in here, they all sound alike. Now, this guy calls, he says he's unemployed, and why should he work? Didn't he say that, Mr. Producer? He said, why should I? And he wants to talk about the 1%. Who cares about the 1%? They don't affect my life. Go out and take control of your own life. And look how arrogant they are. What I earn. What I do. It's none of his damn business what I earn or what I do. But look how they think they can control our lives. These aren't smart people. And yet they think that they should be able to control you, that they have a say in your life. They have no say in my life. 
They have no say in what I earn or don't earn and what I do or don't do or what my family does or doesn't do. They think they control us. How much we can earn, what we can do. Meanwhile, he says he's unemployed and he says, why should I work? And why should he work? Bernie Sanders' agenda is an agenda that discourages work and enterprise and productivity and wealth creation, entrepreneurship, all the things that are important in America. This is why Bernie Sanders, the coward, won't come on this radio program, won't come on Levin TV, won't come on Life, Liberty, and Levin. He won't come confront me. Because he's a coward. Man, oh, Manischewitz, you listen to these Bernie Sanders supporters? I don't want to work. Why should I work? Why should I work? Jay Potomac, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Good evening, Mark. How are you? Okay, buddy. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I was um, running an errand earlier tonight in the second hour, and um, during this time of the night, <clears throat> I was tuned to your show, and I was I found myself listening to the first uh, Bernie supporter from um, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and um, just the ability, the inability for him to even answer a simple question from you, and sort of hit these talking points. It, it really resonated with me because um, two nights ago I was having a conversation with my um, my adult child, uh, she's a, she's in university in Colorado, and uh, she was asking me some of my political thoughts, and I was sharing them with her. But during the middle of the conversation, it turned very antagonistic, and and it was um, it was very painful. We really locked horns, and I have a very good relationship with with her, but it was just very painful, very painful, and it was very accusatory, and it just got into the it got into the realm of the absurd and the irrational very quick. And it does, and, and I'm I'm hearing this from a lot of parents, by the way. Yeah, and and for me, it became real. Like it became, it became real that this is a real threat um, to a lot of us on a lot of levels. Because first of all, the ideology that's being espoused by Bernie, and by the way, I I agree with you. He's no socialist. He's a Marxist dressed in a socialist label. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, this ideology that's being proposed, and and sort of, the, I believe there's something happening within that support for him where they're choosing to go out and become confrontational and become antagonistic. Um, And by the way, um, people become that way when they can't make sense of their views. And so they become antagonistic. They talk in platitudes. They immediately move to talking points. You cannot engage them on a cerebral level. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it was just, it was just weird all the way around, and I'm, I'm um, you know, saying some prayers that we're going to be able to get this relationship back on track. But the call you had with him really resonated, and, and your reaction to their inability to really engage intelligently really, really resonated with me. But, but I'll, I'll tell to... you why I get angry, because they just repeat themselves. Yeah. They repeat these yeah. platitudes that they heard somebody say or they heard Bernie Sanders say, and you try to go deeper, just one level deeper, and they don't permit it. They're not going to allow it, which tells you that they really don't know what they're talking about, and it really doesn't matter to them. And uh, <clears throat> like in the case of your daughter, you try and engage with her, and it becomes personal. 
And that's why you're upset. And that's why you're calling me. And you're not the only one. I met a gentleman today. Actually, he's a friend of mine. He's got two kids. He said, and I couldn't believe it. They both say they're going to vote for Bernie Sanders. And I can't reason with them. I'm not even browbeating them, he said. I can't reason with them. I can't even talk to them about it. That's the thing. That's the thing that I felt, too. It wasn't even, it wasn't even me trying to... It, it, just, it just became unreasonable. It became an unreasonable conversation. Um, so I just wanted to call in, really. And, and it was interesting, because I'm running an errand, and I, I've never called into your show, but I listen to you all the time. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I get the, I get the ability to talk to you. Um, but I, and I'm thankful for that. I, I, I do want. You, you know that. what? You know what? I vent for America. That's the thing. <laughs> well, I wanted to say thank you for just what you do on all fronts to kind of keep um, doing what you do to bring a light to these types of issues. I listen to you as much as I can. Um, I I've learned a lot, and what you're doing thank is you. important. And um, and I just wanted to say thanks. And, and well, ha- hang in there. Hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Just keep at it. It's like you have to uh, undo what's been done in these schools and colleges and what's been done in the media. These kids are bombarded with this ideology and bombarded with hate against the family structure. You can't even even define what a male and a female uh, are anymore. I mean, the the whole thing is up in the air, and we just got to keep at it. I want to thank you for your call, my friend. I very much appreciate it. Jay in Potomac, Maryland. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Let's go to Chris Lynchburg, Virginia, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Thank you for all you do for this country. Can I, can I just tell you something? I'm looking today at C-SPAN at a Bernie Sanders rally. And they keep saying he's getting tens of thousands of people. And he's at this rally outside somewhere in South Carolina. And it looks like hundreds of people. I get 5,000 people who show up at a book signing. And I'm not running for anything. So I just want to put things a little bit in perspective. They're pushing hard for the Bernie Sanders nomination. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that's a good perspective. I want to say, by the way, that uh, I can always relate to your stories about uh, listening to talk radio, Bob Grant and others, when you were a teenager, uh, because I've done the same with you. I've been a Levinite since oh, thank you. Uh, probably I was 10 or 11 years old. In fact, I tried to call. I almost got through to you when I was 12 years old. You didn't get to me, but that was probably a good thing back then. <laughs> well, thank uh, you. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if the call screener knew what to do with me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, your last caller, or, well, not your last caller, but your last Bernie supporter, mm-hmm. really proved my point, and that is that uh, I am of the generation for whom you wrote Plunder and Deceit. Mm-hmm. And something that I've noticed since coming to college and having, for the first time, my views being challenged, and they're not really being challenged reasonably, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that it seems that people in my generation, understandably, are being so easily allured to Bernie and others because of their uh, uh, their their claims of everything they're going to do for them or give to them, 
that that's an understandable appeal, but they can't even get so far as to think how this would be done because it can't be done. It's mm-hmm. as you said in the first hour, it's an impossibility. And that's where my mind immediately goes, well, how's he going to do this? He can't. And they just won't allow themselves to go there, though they uh, think that their environments are the bastions of intellect. And I just don't understand how to how to bridge that. And people like to be part of a cause. And, you know, these people, many of them live in the lap of luxury. Um, they are subsidized in one form or another. They get three square meals. They live in a very comfortable environment. But they feel they have to be part of a cause. And for the mature mind, part of a cause might be helping a charity, uh, maybe participating in your church and synagogue, helping your family. But you have to be a bigger cause. So there's climate change. And there's the Green New Deal. And there's the anti-war movement. And there's the anti-capitalist movement. And we're going to be part of a revolution. And you know where that revolution's going to be hatched? At Starbucks. You get my point? Very much so. It's going to be hatched at colleges and universities, too. They have their little, their their small group meetings where they kind of huddle together and talk about the revolution. Don't really make any plans. They kind of meet to plan and plan to meet to meet to plan. <laughs> All right, my friend, I got heartbreak. Wonderful call. Thank you for being out there. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. By the way, we're going to have a great Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. We're going to go real deep. I hope you're interested in it. And I think you will, of course, enjoy it. I mean, really. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Sunday night on Fox. One-on-one interview. There's nothing like this show in America except this show. So I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget also, we have the hottest podcast in America right now, don't we, Mr. Producer? It's the hottest, fastest-growing podcast in America. Early this year, we were at about 2.5 million. We're now over 5 million, and that's in addition to radio. 
Go to MarkLevinShow.com, click on the audio rewind, middle of the top of the homepage. That'll take you to the podcast page and then pick the podcast that you want. Google, Apple, Stitcher. It's that simple. Every Friday, in your honor, in the honor of our country, in America, just for you. Here it goes. Thank you, Levinites out there. I love you. I'm blessed by you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The weekend begins right now. The week is officially over. We salute our armed forces, police officers, 
firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who protect us. Thank you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. Leo? Leo was my father-in-law. Folks, I'll see you on Sunday on Life, Liberty, to Live In on Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern. God bless you and be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.